morning, everybody. Really lovely to uh, see you and sort of see you out there. Uh, and again, real welcome to those who are new. I know there's one or two new in the building, new to us, trying us out, whatever, just landed in Cheltenham. You are so welcome. I know it's a strange season and it's a strange old building and all of that, but I hope you're, you're feeling welcomed and, and, and part of things. Great. We have um, a really, most of you know this, we have a beautiful, precious partnership, friendship. It's been going for a decade or so with a, a poor part of Western Kenya, Carichos, a few places around there, very rural, not well off. And it's, it's just been delightful to partner with them and see what God's been doing as they've kind of grown and and we should be praying for them because life is pretty tough. We think we've had it hard here. It's been considerably harder over there. Uh, my last trip, I was privileged to go a year last February. It's the last trip that happened and uh, with a little team. And Emma, one of the team members, and I found ourselves on one of the Sundays being directed to a church to go and be part of the ministry there. And uh, Google, Google said it was 20 miles um, and 50 minutes. I think Mr. Google had never been there. It might have been 20 miles, but it was two and a half hours on, on non-roads. And it was amazing and adventurous. And you know, through streams, and I think that's a place where the road kind of changes every week depending on what the rains have done. It was incredible, uh, amazing. We arrived at this place, there's a picture on the screen, Entontol, it's called, just fabulous. And uh, of course, we're there all day, but before anything could happen in a, in a building, we were escorted into a tiny little shack, you know, sort of just this size, and there was about 10 of us kind of squeezed in there, and two big plastic washing up bowls arrived in front of me and Emma, and in the bigger one was the boiled head of a goat, and in the smaller one was the goat's liver, just chopped up and slightly warm to the touch. And uh, we're wise enough to recognize this was, you know, uh, part of the, the custom and the culture and uh, the way of welcoming the stranger in. Hospitality, philoxenia, as somebody's been explaining to us uh, recently, the, the, the welcome of the, the outsider. And as much as uh, Emma and I probably won't be ordering boiled goat's head on a, a menu anytime soon, we were unbelievably uh, warmly welcomed. We felt so honored uh, we felt so special because of this uh, precious, generous act of, of warmth and, and welcome. It was really a, an amazing memory. This is the fourth Sunday in a series of messages uh, around hospitality, this theme of hospitality. We've been coming at it from different angles and different parts of Scripture, although, of course, plenty of over overlap. And I'm going to say, let's not pretend, though, that, uh, that there's something really, really complicated about this. What is the outworking of this series of messages? Is it really hard to understand? No. It's Romans 13, verse 12, which says, do it, <laughs> basically. Uh, practice hospitality. That's Romans uh, 13, 12. Practice, or 12, 13, could be the other way around. Practice hospitality. The message is not that complicated. Just do it in the words of Nike. It might be hard, and actually it is quite hard sometimes, like a lot of things, but it's not complicated. We don't actually need to be Bible scholars first before we get this. We don't need some you know, persuasive and brilliant bit of teaching from, from a, a teacher character. We don't need lots of knowledge and understanding. But like most things that we're encouraged to do, let alone commanded to do, this is a command of Scripture, it does help us to reflect a bit, doesn't it, on, on the whys and the whats and the whos and the hows and the wheres. Uh, and that's what we've been, been trying to do over this series. Why would we um, practice hospitality beyond simple obedience to that, that command in Scripture? What, what is, what's the purpose? What, where's our motivation come from for that? What is it? 
biblical hospitality. What isn't it? How do we do it? How do we do it better? What's stopping us from doing it? What's stopping us from doing it better? And so on. And we've heard quite a bit around all of those questions in different ways. And if you've missed some of those messages, uh, again, they're, they're all on the, on the website. And, and do watch if you've missed out. And I'm going to touch on a variety of those things. This is, in some ways, pulling together different strands. But I have a focus this morning, which is this. What makes hospitality into kingdom hospitality? What is different and distinctive about biblical, radical, kingdom hospitality as opposed to any other sort? And there's a pretty big uh, clue in the title of the message this morning. Uh, and I, and I had, I've given an absolute nightmare to Cheryl this morning and the AV team. And I'm, I haven't even got a slide which has got the title of the message, but it will appear on the website. Imagine the slide saying this, hosting him. Hosting him. There's a clue in that. What makes kingdom hospitality different and distinctive? Answer, the presence of the king. It's the presence of the king. And we're going to weave around that a little bit this morning. But if you remember nothing else, remember that. It's interesting to me, I'm a bit of a wordy guy, you know that. Hospitality comes from the Latin hospis. It actually means guest and host. Kind of interesting. Both. Guest and host. It's the root of the word, words like hospice, hotel, uh, hostel, hospital, and of course, in our context, hospitality. So what links all of those words together? Hospital and hotel? Hospitality, what links that? Never wonder, ever wondered that? It's because they're all places of, essentially, welcome and places of care and places of provision, whether that's expressed by means of a meal or a bed uh, or medical attention or, or some sort of other expression of, of pampering maybe or attention or, or companionship. And whether you're offering it as the host of that or whether you're receiving it, as it were, as the guest of that. And spiritually, we just want to be clear, don't we, that um, it's clear in our scriptures that God both hosts us and we host him. Bit of mystery to that. I'm not sure we can easily explain it, but the scriptures are clear. The reality, the, 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 this is clear. And of course, in the first of those, God, God, of course, always takes the initiative. If you think about it, the whole of creation is actually a gigantic act of hospitality. He creates everything that there is, as wonderful and marvelous as it is. And he invites us into it, creates us, and he invites us into it to share it with him. He offers us welcome. He offers us companionship. He offers, think of the first garden. He offers uh, the, the people, the first people, attention. He calls us to enjoy all that he's made, and he calls us to participate in stewarding it really well. That's an enormous act of hospitality. It's why, by the way, hospitality, you might be thinking, why are we doing this series? It feels a bit narrow. No, it's, hospitality is so not just a niche little Christian concept or, or a narrow secondary issue that's kind of a nice bit of Christian behavior for some people, but it's not the main thing. No, it's huge, and that's why. It's actually the heart of the gospel. God hosts us. The gospel is an invitation, isn't it, to come home to the Father. From our, our, our state of you know, rebellious wandering, whatever that looked like for you before you came home to the Father, if you've done that yet. To come into his family. To come into his kingdom. 
to be received at his table. One of Paul, in the New Testament, one of Paul's favorite expressions for, um, for, for, for belonging, if you like, to the family is that we've been brought through the cross, through what Jesus did, through his sacrifice. We've been brought into Christ. In Christ is his, is his shorthand word for, for a Christian believer. He has other words, there's other expressions. But in Christ, there's a belonging. And there's loads of other examples and images to all of that. But then on the other side of the coin, as family members then, as the Father's DNA now flows through our blood and our veins, as our hearts get transformed, as our mindsets get changed, what happens? We grow a bit more like Jesus, the perfect family member, and we then begin to live out of that identity and express the hospitality of God himself. We reflect his character. We reflect his nature in the way that we live and love. So yes, he hosts us, first of all. Of course he does. It's the gospel. But then actually we host him. Extraordinary. But let's get it again. We host We host the King of Kings. Revelation 3.20, familiar verse, I'm sure, to to, to many. If you've got your your Bible or your device, open it up if if you're not. Reminder, it says this. Here I am, says Jesus, a picture of of him. He's talking. Here I am. I'm standing at the door and knocking. And if anyone, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Hugely well-known verse often taken slightly out of context, I have to say, to help introduce people to Jesus in, in the first place. Will you open your heart, open your life to Jesus for the first time? Um, Alpha, it's classically used on all of that. I have no objection to that, by the way. I was one of those people, aged eight, uh, on a summer camp all those years ago, lying on a bed, nine o'clock at night, lights out. I'd heard a talk on this verse, and I opened the door of my heart to Jesus, and he came in. And did that thing called fellowship and life. And my big, it was in, in my journey of life, it was probably the most single decisive moment. So I have no objection to that. Actually, in the context, he's talking to a whole church, a whole bunch of people in Laodicea. You probably know Revelation 3. Uh, and it's a bunch of people who've gone, who've gone to sleep. They're sleepy and they've, uh, and they've gone all self-sufficient. And they think they're rather good at church, actually. And there's this kind of warning Call to know you're not, you're not as self-sufficiency is not the way. You can't do this without me. So it's a call to repent. It's a call to wake up. It's a call to see what's real. Especially it's a call to come back to the source of everything and the source of their energy and power and the, the object of their devotion and, and worship. And that's Jesus himself. So come in. I'm standing. I'm waiting. Will you invite me into that place of honor again? in the believer's heart. So Jesus taking up residence in the believer's heart. Christ in you, welcome, given that place of honor. Uh, and the meal that's shared in that verse is, is, is a picture of intimacy, isn't it? Real connection, not just, you know, kind of religious, you know, ticking a box, whatever, but real connection and fellowship. So we welcome his presence, we host him. Think through in your head immediately. What, can you think of some stories in the New Testament where, where Jesus gets hosted in a place and has a meal and does fellowship and does this intimacy thing? You'll probably think of a variety. There's Mary and Martha's house and later in Bethany with Lazarus as well. There's Simon the leper, isn't there? There's Zacchaeus, there's one of the Pharisees at one point. There's the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. Jesus kind of hangs on and they invite him in and they, he gets hosted there. I love how this dynamic plays out. Love all of those stories. I love if you're, uh, in, in brackets, if you're a fan of the, the Chosen 
this representation of the life of the disciples, how they depict some of these meals. There's Matthew, the, the, the outcast, the outsider, the tax collector, hated by the Jews, loved by the Romans. And, uh, and he hosts a meal. He finds himself hosting a meal, surprisingly, and, and Jesus is there. And it's just beautiful, hosting the presence of God in that significant place, in this, for, 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 for meal and room, think, heart and internal world. So like Matthew, like so many of those, as we do that, this is how it works, isn't it? As we host his presence, things happen. Bit by bit, things get changed. Mindsets get changed. Hearts get changed. We give him that place of honor and influence, and so that influence exerts to us, and then it begins to express itself, and we reflect it outwards to others. So what is the difference then between my experience of the boiled goat's head and come dine with me? Serious question. The dead, inedible goat was hospitality. Beautiful kingdom hospitality. Why? Because the focus actually was on me and Emma. The honor, the, the, the pride of place, the, the attention, the cost of the goat, the, the energy that had gone in and, uh, to, to preparing that was all about Emma and me in that moment. Come dine with me, and actually quite a lot of what I think is called hospitality isn't, at, isn't, isn't that at all. Because actually all the energy and the cost and the expenditure and the attention given by the host is ultimately with the aim of making themselves look good, <laughs> isn't it? It's a fun program, by the way. I'm not knocking it. But let's just get the difference. It's winning honor <laughs> and sometimes money for themselves. It's about impressing their guests. So let's get this. Kingdom hospitality is about blessing, not impressing, right? Of course it is. I know it's obvious, but maybe that's a neat way of remembering it. It's not about me or for me at all. It's about them and for them, whoever they happen to be in this context. Matthew 25, a bit more scripture again, if you've got it, uh, it's always helpful to look at it. I'm just going to read a few verses. They're chilling ones, challenging ones, that when the Son of Man comes in glory, Jesus speaking, all the angels with him, he'll sit on his throne and the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in, you hosted me. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was ill, you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? And feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink. When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison or go to visit you? And the king will reply. You know how this goes. I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Huge passage, deserves careful attention. But for, in, in our context here, this is practical outworking of kingdom Hospitality, isn't it? The righteous here are those who host the presence of the king by his spirit, and then whose actions reflect the actions of the king as they're inspired and enabled by him. And what are they doing here? Small acts of kindness. Cup of water. Stuff. Hospitality, done in love. Is there any thought of impressing anybody here? Making myself look good? No, none at all. 
because it's about the other person. It's the practical meeting of needs. It's blessing. It's giving that gift of attention. What a lovely gift. Don't you think one of the most precious gifts we have to give? Attention to someone else. It's at the heart of hospitality. So let me paraphrase it for today. It's not very glamorous. A cup of tea, a piece of cake, a spare jumper that you don't need, and especially in our context, an invitation to come in to your place of living, your home, and especially to those who don't normally come into your home. Whether that's a complete stranger, we've heard a lot about this, I won't repeat, whether it's a complete stranger, whether it's a person who's just lonely or hurting or vulnerable in some way, or somebody in the church family that you just don't know very well. We love having friends and family. It's completely right to have friends and family around. Of course it is, goodness. But, but by extension, this, this hospitality is around those we, we know less well. We've looked at lots of that. But look at what, what is being commended here. Small things. But small things can be big things. That's what, partly what this scripture is saying. What looks small can actually be very big. And if you do it, you do it for me. So it's not the size of our wallets that counts. It really is not the size of our kitchen table or even if you've got one. Or the tidiness of your home or the quality of your food. It's about the size of our hearts and it's about the quality of our attitudes. Small acts of hospitality done in great love. We can easily underestimate how much difference they make. And David was talking about this brilliantly last week. I, I, just this week, two, two stories I've heard of a friend uh, in Trinity, and uh, once it became legal to do so, just had two or three people around who they knew to have been a, you know, just struggling a little bit in, in lockdown. For a simple cup of tea and a piece of cake, I think it was, just something in the afternoon. It was very straightforward. They, just, they didn't know these people very well, but they just invited them in. They were shocked by the level of gratitude, by the level of appreciation that was then expressed for what was a very basic and simple act of hospitality to people that, that weren't particularly well known. Heard another beautiful story this week of, of an older guy in our midst, I don't think he's here this morning, just testifying to uh, the sense of belonging and welcome that he has experienced for the first time by being shown simple acts of welcome uh, in one of our groups over the course of the last three months in lockdown. Some of it was online, but then it, as it became in person, it was in person. Amazing testimony, really gripping, beautiful. I've not known this before, moving. Might be hard, but it's simple. Outsiders becoming insiders, strangers becoming neighbors, becoming family. Why? Because of the presence of the king as we host him, as we turn his hospitality to us outwards uh, to others in fairly ordinary ways. So if Jesus lives in your heart, if that's an expression you would own or a reality that you would own for yourself, you'd call yourself a follower of Jesus, whatever that has, how you express that, you qualify, right? We qualify to exercise kingdom hospitality. I just want to say that this is for all of us. Yes, there are those who are really good at this, really gifted at this. There is a gift of hospitality. The Bible's clear about that. Uh, and you know, all, more power to, 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 to those people, and, and they love it, and they're good at it. But actually, uh, we're all, w- w- this is for all of us, isn't it? In, in our different ways, according to our different circumstances. And I don't know if, in the course of this series, any little sort of things have popped up in your head as you've been challenged or whatever. Oh, it's not for me because. Oh, that's not, I don't need to do that because. Whatever the because might be. I haven't got enough money or friends or, you know, I'm not socially skilled at that. That's for other people. I'm, I'm really sorry. <laughs> uh, Romans 13, 12 doesn't let us off the hook, if you like. 
practice hospitality. It might, we might need some coaching in that. We might need some help in that. Hopefully, the series is contributing to that. Hopefully, we're making it doable, accessible, not come dine with me. Because it, it's all about the heart, ultimately, and not about the wallet or the table or the food. So if you want this, this community to be a more loving, welcoming community of faith, please don't wait for somebody else to do that. You're on the hospitality team already. Get practicing. And if you feel disconnected from this community or even lonely, as sad as that is, and as much as we collectively may have failed you, and I'm sorry that we, might, that we have, as much as that might be the case, can I gently and sensitively say, please don't wait for somebody to invite you. There is a spiritual law of sowing and reaping. And so often what, we lean, what we'd love to have for ourselves, if we lean into that for others, God does something with it. So don't wait. Pluck up some courage, pray, ask God to show you somebody that you could show some hospitality to and do it and then see what God does with that. Hospitality, kingdom hospitality, it, it's an attitude before it's an action, like most things. This isn't, I'm not just talking about um, uh, a bunch of good things that Christians should do, little acts of Christian behavior that we can tick the box and say, I did hospitality. Most of those things, no, they, they emerge, don't they, from an attitude, from an inner, an inner heart. And kingdom hospitality emerges from that because it's the presence of the king. And Jesus said in Matthew uh, 25 just there, in doing it for the least of these, you did it for me. So kingdom hospitality is an act of worship, isn't it? It is an act of worship, kingdom hospitality. It's a way of worshiping Jesus. What makes it kingdom hospitality and not just entertaining? Not just having somebody around the presence of the king, hosting others whilst hosting him. Jesus calls us the light of the world, doesn't he? I'm the light of the world. He says, now you're the light of the world, so let your light shine. As you host my presence here, let, let, let that presence permeate. Pay attention to it. Let that presence permeate the way that you, you then are in the world. It's so countercultural. So countercultural, by the way. I haven't got time to develop this, but don't you think that God's kingdom culture increasingly looks so different from the United Kingdom culture? So, so very different. And, and there's so much that is lovely about posh meals and, and, and our foodie culture and expensive you know, food and master chef and, and all of that. And the coffee shop, by the way, the coffee shop culture where um, you know, when we meet friends or family, so often it's, well, what, what coffee, sh coffee shop shall I uh, we, we, we meet in? And that's all great. I'm all up for that. I, and I am. But it's like the coffee shop has replaced the home and they are different. Hospitality in the coffee shop is not the same. It just isn't. And please hear me knock it. I'm not. I drink coffee like the rest of them. Do you know Cheltenham has the highest number of coffee shops per head of population in the country, apparently, maybe outside London. I mean, amazing, you know. We're Starbucks City here, and that's, that's great and fine, but not at the neglect of our homes. This is so countercultural. Fifty years ago, people would have people into their homes. It happens less now. But friends, if we're kingdom people, kingdom hospitality happens in the home. Whatever your home looks like, and it's not about how tidy it is. In fact, it really isn't. It's about being us, invited, not, not invi inviting people in to see a, a version of us because we've sort of you know, put the dirty laundry behind a door somewhere. What our culture calls hospitality, so if it is certainly not king the same as kingdom hospitality. So uh, I need to, to finish really. David said, is your home a private place for your own purposes or a platform for God's purposes. I'll say that again. Is your home a private place for your purposes 
or a platform for God's purposes. There's so much in that. He unpacked that brilliantly last Sunday evening. Check out that message. And it won't look the same for all of us. All different. Boiled goat for some. Cup of tea for others. Kingdom hospitality makes room for everybody. Let me just say these things. It grows the family of God. You want the family to grow? Hospitality does that. As outsiders become insiders, strangers become friends. More loving community happens, so it fosters unity in the church. Who's up for that? It's good for us because it challenges some of our kind of private world mentality, some of our attitudes, whether we care more about our privacy and how white our carpet is than for the, the lost, the last, the least, the lonely. It's great for our children. Of course it is. Yeah, if, we've got, if we've got the privilege of kids at the moment, because they get to observe and witness and be part of, of, of values which are about kindness and otherliness and generosity, and they just pick that up as part of natural uh, upbringing. It actually blesses us, because Jesus says it's more, we're more blessed when we give than when we receive anyway. So it's, there's a certain amount of self-interest in hospitality, because we get blessed, because it's a kingdom principle. Why and how? Because of the presence of the king. It's about blessing, not impressing Totally countercultural. It's an attitude before it's an action. It's a way of worship. And by the way, it's a foretaste of the eternal kingdom, isn't it? That is to come when we're all sit around the table. All God's family sit around the table will be gathered around that throne. Final one, one final encouragement. I'm going to change the image. Hosting him. This message is called hosting him. It's all about the, how we're hosting the presence of God, our hospitality to Jesus first that then gets turned outwards to others. But let me express it like this. And it was interesting. Andrew, I put this in my notes. And Andrew then prayed it earlier in our little prayer meeting. Uh, I heard a pastor once say, so what would you do? How would you be if, if uh, a lovely, beautiful white dove settled on your shoulder? How would you be? What would, how would you go about things? And the answer is, well, carefully and sensitively yeah and if the dove represents the presence of the Holy Spirit of God hosting him then we don't want to do anything do we that would cause that dove to fly away now it's not that the Holy Spirit's going to leave us he says he will never leave us but there's something about paying attention to him isn't there there's something about sensitivity to his voice, leaning in to listen, paying attention to the inner nudges, and then aiming in his grace to to live those things out. What would it look like to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, actually? To be so attentive, to, to be so oriented towards hosting his presence in my heart and life, that then that's what determines the way that I live and the way that I bless and the way that I show love and hospitality, kingdom hospitality to others. Shall we stand together?